This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You hear it all the time from sci-fi movie fans around the world. Stop putting out the same old IPs and start crafting new stories. Occasionally, Hollywood actually listens, only to be slapped down by critics who just don't get or appreciate stories that they aren't already familiar with. Critics. Well, that's a shame, because when it comes to movies like 2009's Surrogates, we're here to tell you that it's not that bad. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to It's Not That Bad the podcast that looks for A, grades in B, movies. And I will fully admit to the world, I have zero shame in this whatsoever, I love a good sci-fi film. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the ones that are like the big namers. And yes, I love my Star Wars. Yes, I love my Star Trek. But every now and then there's those little lesser known films that are great stories, good cast, and the critics just don't get it. And this is one of those times because we are talking about 2009's Surrogates. And joining me for this episode, my lovely wife, Carrie. Carrie, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, and I'm excited to talk about this movie. Now, when I begged and pleaded to do this film, and your initial reaction before watching it. Cause I know, <laughs> I, I, I know sometimes I'll mention a movie and you're like, Oh yes, dear. We're going to, we're going to geek out on this one. Are we, or at least <laughs> you're going to geek out on it. And I'm going to sit here and watch with a smile on my face. Your initial reaction when I mentioned this. Well, I'm not going to lie. Um, when I, I did the quick, you know, research, watch the trailer. I thought, what a fantastic idea. I want a surrogate. Mm. I want to be able to sleep all day and have my robotic alter ego go and live my day for me, do my work, um, do whatever errands need to be done. And uh, and I'm just going to sleep. Right? But. That sounds nice. Then I watched the movie. Mm. So sad. <laughs> I no longer want a surrogate. No. no, no. I still, I, I still do. I would much. Oh, 
I, I, I want that chair. It didn't. I, it I did not end well. No, Why? no, no. It didn't end well. But, no. But I like to relax. No. You know what? Live your life, people. Enjoy <laughs> what you do, and live life to your fullest. Because, because this movie was just. It was sad. It was so sad. Well, I mean, yes, there are some definitely some sad aspects to it. But before we get too deep into this film, before we before we spoil the rest of the show, because we want people to actually listen to the whole episode. I mean, it was a good movie. We're here to, you know, defend, defend it. it. Right. right. Sad doesn't necessarily mean bad. Just because they rhyme. Right. Does, does, it's not an, an, an and or kind of thing. Sadness okay? ain't badness, people. Sadness uh, ain't badness. We need that on a t-shirt now, don't we? Oh. <laughs> but we're going to take this film. We're going to take 2009 surrogates and trailerize it. In the near future, people are wired to the outside world, interacting with society from behind avatars that may or may not look like them. They stay at home all day, lounging around in pajamas and avoiding actually going outside. Meanwhile, a small group of dissidents shun what society says is good, walling them off from the majority and doing their own damn thing while saying that the rest of the world is wrong and a revolution is coming. Wait, wait. Are we sure this isn't now? Kind of feels like now. I mean, the film came out in 2009. We're in the near future. Where the hell's my surrogate? (sighs) Anyway. Bruce Willis shocks no one by playing a cop in this smart sci-fi comic book movie adaptation that's not Sin City in Surrogates. Rated PG-13 for Plastic Genius. Okay, I'm I'm intrigued. Comic right? book, a comic book property. Coincidentally, yes, this is actually based on the Surrogates comic book series from Top Shelf Productions. And by the way, this movie is set in 2017. So where the hell is my damn surrogate? You know what I found interesting? What's that? How was it in 2009? They had a Toyota Hybrid. I'm very curious. We had about a 2009 that one. Toyota, and we were nowhere near having a hybrid nor an electric. I am very fascinated about that because I mean, obviously, these things take time to come into fruition, and I'm sure it's probably one of those things where they were probably testing cars to be able to be electric or maybe solar powered at the time. Like, there's always these inventions that seem really really cool and you know really innovative and they get tossed into movies like i remember working security on a tv series and there was this car and they had it as their taxi because it looked futuristic and i and i that car is still out on the road today it's not exactly a great car at least as far as its looks go but it worked as far as a futuristic car so the, the Prius hybrid, yeah, maybe it was in experimental beta kind of testing maybe at that point. Who knows? But maybe it's one of those things where, hey, we'll let you put this car in the film uh, for free and maybe it'll get a little bit of attention. But really, it's only 14 years ago that this film came out. And yeah, but 14 years ago with our 2009, we didn't even have electric locks. 
I, I, no, we had electric we locks. We didn't have power well, locks. Well, no, we didn't have power locks. The expensive cars had power locks. Ugh. You know, maybe Bruce Wills could have afforded the power lock car. <laughs> we couldn't. In 2009, we were so far off the mark. We're lucky we didn't have to open up our, our car with a coat hanger and slid <laughs> down the All I can The handle broke off. I got to get it open <laughs> somehow. All I can imagine is, you know, after six months on a waiting list, how the hell did they get one and we couldn't? That's right. Anyway. Okay, but let, let's get into I who's digress. in this film. <laughs> the movie stars Bruce Willis, Rada Mitchell, Rosamund Pike, Ving Rames, James Cromwell, Boris Kajo, Devin Rattray, and Jake Noseworthy. It was directed by Jonathan Mostow, who previously directed Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, and Breakdown. The film had a budget of $80 million, and according to IMDb, it domestically made $38 million and worldwide $122 million. So depending on how much they spent on advertising on the film, it made some money back. But when it was released on the September 25th, 2009 week, and it debuted at number two with fourteen. million. $0.9 million. That was the top debut that week. Uh, it came in second behind the $25 million that was brought in for the second week of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And you can't really beat kids film, like for the first couple of weeks, if it's a good kids film. Uh, also debuting that week, at number six was Pandorum, which brought in $4 million. And at number three was the remake of Fame, which brought in $10 million. So, Surrogates was the top-grossing debut that week. But it didn't win any awards, nor did it win any Razzies. So, you know, good on that. But the reason why we are here, it's not just because I like sci-fi films. Well, okay, mostly it's because I like sci-fi films. But still, the reason why we're here is because of the critic score. Over at Metacritic, this film has a meta score of 45. And over at Rotten Tomatoes, this is pretty even actually. The audience score sits at 38%, and the tomatometer at 37%. So this is pretty much a consensus grade on this film. And I think it definitely deserves to be higher. But let's get into why it deserves to be higher. We start with Bruce Willis himself as Detective Tom Greer. How was he for you? Oh, my God. As the surrogate or as the robotic cop? Mm-hmm. I don't want to call him a robocop. But no, that's Peter Weller. But um, he was so good. I mean, it, I, I, I mean, mad respect to Bruce Willis for being able to knock that out of the park, playing a robotic version of a human form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, really. And and his partner there, which I'm sure we'll get to, but just, just all, like, there was something so calculating about his movements and his facial expressions and holy shit, like... He, did he win any sort of an Oscar on this one? Nope, because not at all. His performance as the surrogate alone was top notch. Like, I mean, Bruce Willis is always good in everything that he does. He really, I'm a big Bruce Willis fan, but wow. 
So just wow. So okay, so let me explain a little bit before I you know we get a little bit further here. If you are unfamiliar with the movie Surrogates, let me explain. Okay, so society is at a point where they have the people have the ability to neurally link to a robotic body and all they do is they lie down in this bed and they put like this you know head device on that covers their eyes so they see and control these robotic avatars if you will and it's the robot bodies that go out and do the work for them and have to go outside for them and they can just stay home and the whole movie starts with like a four minute like you know fake newsreel package of how surrogates make life better because crime is down and disease is down and like this premise that if you don't leave the house bad things don't happen which is frighteningly scary (laughs) and accurately true right from (laughs) if we learned anything from 1999 onward right but the thing is you can have the avatars, you can have the surrogates look like you, or at least the version of you that you want them to look like. So all of the surrogates that are walking around in this film have this very plastic feel to them. And the fact that they don't really physically show emotion, their their expressions are all pretty neutral and blank and they look like they've been instagram filtered to death kind of thing because everything is smooth and shiny and and plastic looking and yeah it's basically an instagram filter but the thing is for some of these actors you're getting to see the real person and you're also seeing the avatar so it's two very different performances and you're right like bruce willis has to basically emotionlessly act when he's the surrogate and it's fascinating because it's it's like a dead stare oh yeah yeah like like i said his his mannerisms his movements everything was so calculated or robotic yet still human had Mm -hmm. a human aspect to it but it was just so well done. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like When you think about android-like characters, right, You your first thought's probably going to be Brent Spiner, who played Data in Star Trek The Next Generation. But yet Data still brow-wrinkled and, you know, showed signs of processing thoughts as he would look off to the side kind of thing. And... But by the very nature of Data's character, he tried to emulate human emotion and human features because he he aspired to be human. Here, the surrogates are just basically like hopping in a car and and driving around, right? Like and going to to do your job in these virtual kind of worlds without you even you, your thoughts move these characters and by the way uh, this film's 14 years old and you can go find it on disney plus if you happen to have disney plus go watch the film uh because we're going to spoil it from here on in by this point you are you were safe you wouldn't forewarn now so can i just get a qualifier on this so Mm -hmm. it it is the the actions of the surrogate are based 
on the thoughts the of thoughts the person. Yes. Of the person. Yeah. So is it possible then for the surrogate to go rogue and do its own thing and kind of like an iRobot where they they can stray from no, because because the surrogates themselves are not thinking machines. The only they they only move because of the connection. Now I'm sure you could probably hijack the connection, right, and take over the surrogate, but um, it, it only moves if you think it to move. Then that makes it even sadder. But the thing is, there's this moment too where um, you know after a car chase and whatnot and. Uh, Bruce Willis finds himself in a hospital and then he gets out of the hospital and he's walking around on the sidewalk for the first time in probably God knows how long and he's not used to all the people around him. He's basically been at home for, you have to think, years and years and years by this point. Which exactly is what makes it so, like, so sad mm-hmm. and so, like, such a... I don't know, a, a telling time or like of of the whole pandemic lockdown. I, I right? was going to say. That I mean, moment yeah. when we were allowed to once again people mm-hmm. again and, and be in a crowded area and, and you kind of get like that feeling of, I don't know, like uh, claustrophobic or um, just like, you don't know how to interact yeah. <laughs> with people again. And the thing too is that with these surrogates, the user doesn't feel pain, right? So these surrogates are walking around the street and without really any thought to bumping into anything or anyone. And here's Bruce Willis walking around in real life. Uh, and you could see, and and I'll, I'll admit like early days of the pandemic, right? Like, you go to the grocery store in person and you're like almost shrinking into yourself, trying to make yourself smaller. So you stay away from people. And it's, it's really kind of frightening when you try to not do, when you try to avoid people and you can, you can now these days kind of relate to that moment where Bruce Willis is on the street for the first time in probably years and not, knowing how to deal with the mass of people when all when physically you haven't left your home like it's it's scary mm-hmm. but it is and the thing is it's two different performances it's the surrogate performance and the real bruce willis performance and the fact that you saw both um goes to show just how good a job he did oh my god yeah he like he completely knocked this out of the park he did amazing but again, it makes the, the the backstory of his relationship with his wife, ex-wife. Mm-hmm. No, with his wife. She's current wife. Yeah. Um, the, the, the thing is. It's so sad. Yeah. The, the whole thing is like their son passed away in a car accident and that kind of broke them um, as far as, you know, you're already in this world where surrogates are a reality but their son died in a time before surrogates so the reality is that had that had there been surrogates their son might have you know still been alive and you know you're dealing with people dealing with that kind of trauma and 
not knowing how to connect and talk about it. So you have very broken people in this situation at the same time as, you know, he's trying to find or stop this crime where someone had fired a weapon at these surrogates and it killed the users, which isn't supposed to happen. And that's the thing. The surrogates are supposed to protect people. You can do whatever you want to a surrogate and it doesn't hurt the user. And all of a sudden, um, this surrogate is hit with this weapon and it sends a, like a neural feedback to the user and literally fries his brains. So now there's this weapon out that can kill the user by killing the surrogate and Bruce Willis has to find that weapon and stop things from happening. Um, so he's dealing with that and dealing with his own broken real self at the same time. It's, it, it's a strong performance for him. Mm-hmm. And it, it's one of those things that Bruce Willis was picking up these, these films, especially around this time where they were fascinating stories and it wasn't just your typical diehard action film, right? Like being in movies like this uh, and the whole nine yards and Sin City and, you know, really kind of stepping outside of the action hero, John McClane genre, even though he was still doing those kind of films, right? Like Bruce Willis really stretched his acting you know, flexed his acting muscles, if you will, in a lot of these films for the betterment of the film. And it's a shame that they didn't get the the recognition that they deserve. And I think this film, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, this film holds up very well. But let's move on to his wife in this. Rosamund Pike playing Maggie. I really liked her in this, but uh, Rosamund Pike for you. Um. You know what? It was just such a tragic tale, and I still can't wrap my head around if if her thoughts were controlling her surrogate. Mm-hmm. Why was she pushing Bruce Willis away? Like why? Like, I mean, I get that there was a lot of pain there, mm-hmm. but it was almost like. I don't know if she had completely shut down. Clearly there was more to it because you see that she's taking a lot of painkillers. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- maybe I missed something, but what had happened to her so eye? That's, that's the car crash that oh. she was in as well with her son. And that's the thing, right? Like with the surrogate and the ability to you know, be safe at home, you can still go out and do things uh, knowing that you're home safe. Um but Bruce Willis is at this stage where he wants to be with his wife, not with the surrogate, but with his wife. He misses the contact. He misses holding her. He misses her, right? She is maybe even more broken than he is. She's hiding in her room. She can't sleep, but she can't go outside. She she hides behind the surrogate. The only reason why she, you know, still is able to do her job is through her surrogate. The only reason why she's even able to live is through her surrogate. And the fact that her husband wants her and not the surrogate, it's her walls are up. Her walls are up and she, she is incapable of letting anyone in because she's so, you know, 
withdrawn from not just reality, but humanity as well. What an incredible performance, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so well done. It was so, so, it was so hard to watch, yeah. you know? Like, and so kudos to the actress. Yeah, because and, and that's the thing. Rosamund Pike has been getting a lot of kudos lately for uh, films like I Care A Lot, and she's the lead in the, the Amazon Prime series, The Wheel of Time. Um, and we actually talked about her before when we did our... Uh, video game movies grading on a curve episode because she of course was in doom so you know her career has come a long long way but you see in this film and the 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 beauty thing is too is when she's playing the surrogate right and an emotionless performance because the surrogate isn't supposed to mimic human emotions you still feel the fear and the you know, emotional walling off through the surrogate performance. And the fact that all of a sudden, like the, the surrogate can go blank and feel like it's unplugged mm-hmm. because the user took the headset off and is like, no, I'm not listening to you. La, 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 la. Well, as the surrogate, there was that coldness. Mm-hmm. There was that, that unfeeling, like, you know what? I, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't care. Right. Like it was like, oh, <gasps> Pardon, <clears throat> dying. Maybe I need a surrogate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go outside. Don't. But that's the thing. Like, there's that that part where uh, Bruce Wells is in the kitchen and he's saying like, you know, we, we we should get away. You know, maybe go to maybe go to the Bahamas or something like that. And she's like, oh, that's a great idea. You know, and and, and he's like, no, no, like us, you and I. And then she's like, I don't want to talk about this right you see all of a sudden like the disconnect from humanity that she's put in like she'll go to anywhere she won't her surrogate will go anywhere in the world um and that's she's living through that but she's not living mm-hmm. it's, it's a it's a it's a strong performance yeah rana mitchell who plays greer's partner jennifer peters in this um I liked her in this, but how did you think of her? I thought she was fantastic as the partner. Um, you know, she was tough. She was smart. Um, it was interesting when you saw her as a person, mm-hmm. how she did look completely different from what you would expect. Um, and then, and I don't, I don't know, should I say it? The, the turnaround? Oh, of, we, well, we've warned them. I <laughs> know. The, uh, the turnaround. Um, where even as as Bruce Willis's partner, she turns. She well, turns on him. Well, no, she doesn't turn on him. So clearly you were looking away at this part. So at one point, uh, there's a home invasion into her home while she's sleeping and her surrogate is like on its charger and she's killed and, tr- and control of her surrogate is sent off to somebody else. Oh, so, so that was the turnabout. That's the turnabout. So it's someone else controlling. Oh, I think the pup needed to go outside. Yeah, that that's yeah. when you had to like step away from the TV for a bit. But yeah, no. My bad. That's, okay. when, that's when Detective Peters was no longer Detective Peters. Well, I mean, it took me half of the movie to figure out what the hell was going on to the people, the humans getting their brains fried. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally thought someone was breaking into their house and 
hurting them or causing them pain, you know, like at the same time that bad things were happening to the surrogate, it took me forever to realize, no, <laughs> it's connected. <laughs> no, it's it's just a neural feedback through this virus that, that basically disintegrates the, um, the, the surrogate, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like it's, again, it's one of those things where, and that's the thing too, like with, with Rada Mitchell as Peters, the fact that, you know, she plays herself for a little bit. Um, not not much, but just enough that we see what the real Peters looks like. Um, and then, of course, there's Peters, the surrogate. And then there's Peters, the someone else controlling the surrogate. And th- there are different verbalizations in there. Like, th- there's this one part where she's driving Bruce Willis around and she's like, I need you to look at this. And it's like you're a detective Bruce Willis. How did you not pick up on that? Like the, the, the not seem a little sus. And then of course, like the, the reveal and whatnot, but yeah, no, it's like Rod and Mitchell basically had to play three different people in this mm-hmm. case. And, and to keep, you know, the characterization different, mm-hmm. um, but, uniquely but different, different yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. But subtle sometimes too. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, until she jumped out of the car, I was like, Wait, what, what just happened? Why? <laughs> right? Yeah. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Ving reams as the prophet. 
Mm. A reuniting of Ving Rhames and Bruce Willis from Pulp Fiction. Oh. Right? Yeah. So Marcellus Wallace back in. But here's the prophet. How was the prophet? Oh, my God. That moment when it was discovered Mm -hmm. that he was a surrogate too, even though he was spewing such hate and... um, Vitriol and... Yeah, he, he... he was he was like the leader of the anti-prophet, you know, die robot scum. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so, so let me kind of explain this here. So there are in each, you know, in major cities in the States at this point in time in the movie, there are what's called dread communities. These are communities that are, sh- that shun the idea of the surrogate. They're like, go out and live your life. Go out and be a person in person kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's so funny that they had these little, um, for lack of a better term, camps where they were feeding off of the words of the prophet. Yeah. So they're talking about going out and living their life and thinking for yourself, and yet they just become lemmings to To what they're being fed. Like, really? (laughs) The beautiful irony behind it is... Yeah, no, it's literally like, you know, how to run a cult 101, really. Exactly. And that's the thing, like, Ving Rhames as the prophet, you know, before the, the reveal, is that, you know, he's this impassioned, you know, spewing rhetoric to to his his followers and whatnot. And when he's getting his minions to do what he wants them to do, it's, it's very soft-spoken and very, like, I need you to do this for me kind of thing. And it, it almost feels like, you know, there's, you know, how to run a cult, 101. Mm-hmm. And then this is the, this is the charisma that Ving Rings brought to the prophet, even though the prophet is just a surrogate, you know, you know, run by somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know what? He he was so good. He was so good. And then I was just like, oh, <laughs> that aha moment. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about the guy who was running that surrogate and eventually was running the Peter surrogate, James Cromwell, who played Cantor, the creator of surrogates, who is now trying his best to destroy the surrogates. How was James Cromwell? Mm-hmm. Can I just say I had that e moment when I saw him. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, he's such a great actor mm. that I was like, oh, this is going to be good. And of course he had to be the creator. Because, right. You know, um, but it, it got a bit confusing at that point when he was, when, when he was introduced because he's the creator, but he's also trying to bring them down. Right. And that's where I just kind of got, like, help me, school me. Okay. So let me kind of explain here. So Cantor, at the beginning of the film, Cantor's son comes to visit him and, you know, comes to visit him through surrogacy, right? And Cantor loans him a, a local surrogate so his son can come and visit, quote unquote. Uh, and then the son is attacked with this weapon. Mm-hmm. It kills the son. All of a sudden, Cantor realizes that really they were gunning for Cantor because it's known that that was one of Cantor's surrogates. So the realization that by len- by loaning the surrogate to his son to control so he can have a visit, 
he inadvertently was the cause of his son dying. Mm, okay. Right? Yeah. And the thing is, he was no longer working for VSI, which was the company that makes the surrogates. He was out. So this was kind of his way to get back at them by getting his hands on this weapon and uploading this the virus that this weapon uses to fry out the surrogate in order to be able to get rid of surrogacy. So then who created the weapon? The weapon was actually created by the U.S. Army because you know to be used as a weapon on the battlefield if you know their their enemies were using surrogates on the it was basically a way to end the battle fast by by eliminating all the surrogates and not having it be a war of attrition well because that was really the benefit of surrogates in the first place right exactly. sending the surrogates into war okay and and you see that concept in movies like guardians of the galaxy volume 2 or ender's game where you know people are at these virtual stations and flying these craft and fighting a a proxy war if you will um it's the same theory here and this weapon was developed in order to be able to eliminate the enemy's surrogates fast rather than have it be this just knock knock rock em, sock em robots basically it's an interesting parallel to i think where society's heading with all the ai um potentially taking over human jobs like it, it, i don't know is and and i even legitimately had to ask you at the beginning of the movie if these newsreels were are, based are on real, yeah, were based on fact, because it's almost like, are are we there yet? Like, is this is this uh, I don't know, not too far off future. I mean, could I get a surrogate and sleep all day while um, my you know alter ego or my my robotic twin <laughs> is out living my life for me? Well. It's funny because there there are studies where AI is being used to gather information from people's social media feeds and things that they put out there in order to be able to create um, an interface that would mimic the same personality that, that you have and that you put out there. There was an episode of Black Mirror from season two um, which starred Haley Atwell and Domino Gleason really really heartbreaking episode like if you get triggered easily don't watch this episode it's a great episode but if you get triggered easily so i'll spoil that episode for you be forewarned here season two episode one but be forewarned so there were a couple and he goes off to go to the grocery store to pick up some things and he dies in a car crash and she has the opportunity to purchase this lifelike surrogate if you will right that this this robot that that is programmed with the ai feeds of his social media feeds and and whatever he can she can she can give this company that that is a piece of him and it's this robot that's basically looks like him and sounds like him and occasionally acts like him but it's not exactly him and all of a sudden she realizes that she in her attempt to not 
be without him. She creates something that's not him. And it's like, it's, it's sad because then all of a sudden this is what she's left with and she knows it's not him and it's heartbreaking. And, you know, you, you see some of these AI story warnings of what AI could bring and movies like this, they're also cautionary tales. Like this movie is a, is a, is a, it's an action film, you know, but there are cautionary tales in this film and yeah it's with every new technology it's you know what what could it do and what shouldn't it do so yeah there's a lot yeah yeah it's kind of like jeff goldblum's just because you can doesn't Doesn't mean mean you you should should. right yeah but can we just talk about how incredibly, how incredible visibly, visually this this movie is. Um, I mean, I, I liken it to um, when the surrogates would come into any sort of damage. It was very, very similar to like a Terminator mm-hmm. or Robocop. Um, it, I mean, it just looked so incredible when you would peel the the face off of these surrogates like the robotics behind it the the green fluid (laughs) transmission fluid i don't know oozing out of them like um it was really really well done oh yeah no the 85 the 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 budget like over 80 million dollar budget was definitely put to good use (laughs) right you know and in 2009 too like that that's a good chunk of cheddar for that time and it's also one of the first films to really use the de-aging process. Yes, they relied heavily on makeup and lighting, but they did use some de-aging um, for the surrogates and the look of the surrogates because that's a much younger looking Bruce Willis. That's, that's Detective Tom Greer there. I noticed that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first I was like, wow, Bruce Willis. It, it looks like him, but that can't be Bruce Willis. And then I'm like, holy, that's Bruce Willis. <laughs> right. So, and, and but the thing is it, that everything that they did to make the surrogates look the way like that they did, um, it stands the test of time. It's not like some of them, some of the movies that were done. It's like, whoa, that's creepy looking. Mm-hmm. This, it's not creepy looking unless they wanted to be creepy looking like, and that's the intention, then yes, it's, it's spot on, but no, that's, it's smartly done. But, but James Cromwell as well. Like I, I do love him. Like ever since Star Trek first contact, like he was great as Zephram Cochran. He was also really good in iRobot and iRobot's another film that actually does qualify. Well, I had to laugh because when the movie was done, um, it was suggested that we watch iRobot next. And I'm like, huh, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a, that's an excellent parallel. Why? Yes, we should watch iRobot next. Thank you. <laughs> completely random suggestion. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I guess what movie you're watching next. Again, it's like, it's almost creepy that, um, oh, what was, there was, there was a movie or something that we were watching completely, like separate from 
my Facebook feed and we watched it. And then from that moment, it was popping up in my suggested video watching. And I'm like, whoa, this like, how big brother. Uh, yeah. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> your data is not safe. Like, no. no, it's crazy though. It, it's yeah. It's like one of those things where you'll be sitting there, not even touching your phone and you're like, Hmm, I think tent camping is fun. And then you go to on Facebook and all of a sudden there's like all these ads for like tents from Canadian tire. It's like, <gasps> you're listening. If you're listening to me, Mr. Coors, we have broken up. Please. <laughs> not, not Coors Light. No. She's talking Michael Coors. Michael. Michael. <laughs> leave me alone. Get out, get out of my feed. Stop, I have. Stop going to the website. I have unsubscribed. Stop talking, Michael Coors. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh now we know her weakness okay so boris kaji and I, I apologize if i messed up the name uh he played greer's boss like like the head detective there how was he oh you know what I, for some reason i thought he was human he played the surrogate so well that i honestly thought he was the only human in the police force mm-hmm. so i was shocked <laughs> when you know he had his chip removed. Right. And the thing is, I, I, again, a, a, a facially emotionless performance of Stone. Um, but it is like, it, it, and when you realize that he's the one that got the weapon to the guy who used it in order to take out Cantor, and you realize just how how deep this, cons- not a conspiracy, but the, this plot is in order to be able to stop Cantor and get rid of them, right? Because obviously VSI knows that Cantor's trying to do something, but they can't really go do it themselves. So they get stoned to, to basically get a proxy. Like it's, there's a lot to it, you know? And yes, you could sit there and point out some plot holes here and there. Um, but I don't think the plot holes, if there are any really visible ones, are that huge and they, they, they don't ruin the movie. It was to a point where you could almost call what was coming up next. Mm-hmm. You know, when Bruce Willis was, you know, just go home, man. Just go take care of yourself and your family, right? He was, was he not um, like taken off the case or he was uh, yeah, oh yeah, put no, on? Exactly. He was told that he was no longer on the case. He's he's on suspension, suspension after the, yeah. exactly, after the helicopter crash in the Dread community. Yes. Right. So you definitely saw, like that was predictable, mm-hmm. right? Oh, it had to so, happen. Yeah. Yeah. Take him out of the equation and, you know, and then continue with the, the plot. Now, th- there is a lot of the critiques that were on Rotten Tomatoes. We're talking about how it falls into almost predictable action beats. And I don't know if I would necessarily argue that, but to the same token as well, that they're good action beats. Like... The movie clips, and it, it's only like a 92-minute movie or something like that. Like, it's not long. It doesn't drag. At no point am I sitting there going, hurry up, let's go, come on, kill somebody. Like, the movie is paced extraordinarily well. Just two more people to get through here. Jack Noseworthy, who played Strickland, the guy who had the weapon uh, and killed the first surrogates that started the whole thing of this. Um, not a large role. Um, and he spent most of the movie 
running mm-hmm. and looking, uh, I don't know, shocked, surprised that he was found. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, <laughs> like, oh, you found me. Yeah. And then he kept running. And like that was pretty much, was that his main directive? <laughs> it's pretty much, you know, it's the Doctor Who direction, you know, like run, you know. Mm-hmm. But the character wasn't really fleshed out that much. Um, he, he was just basically a means to an end. I don't think it needed to be, though. No. He was kind of just the hired gun, the hitman, and that was it. Yeah. and He had the weapon. And, and he was disposable, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And he was disposed of. So mm-hmm. there was that. I mean, he, he could have been played by anybody, but I think Jack knows where they did a decent enough job. The other person here is Bobby, the IT guy that worked in that little basement. <gasps> he was so great. You know who he is, though, I- right? Okay, no. As de- as played by Devin Rattray, Buzz from the first Home Alone film. No. Yep. Holy <laughs> No, I did not see that coming. I literally thought it was maybe at some point I thought it was um guy from The Ridiculous Six? No. Um and I the fact that I cannot remember this actor's name is just, I am ashamed of myself. Um, he was in Fanboys. He was in um, Fantastic Beasts. Oh, yes, him. The, 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 uh, Dan Fogler. Dan Fogler. But what was his Fantastic Beasts? Jacob Kowalski is That's the character it. name. Jacob Kowalski. Kowalski. How Kowalski. Can I, how can I forget that? It's so close to Wazinski. <laughs> Mike Wazinski, I'm watching you. Always watching you. <laughs> but yeah, no, like the, the 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 guy who played Kevin McAllister's brother in Home Alone is the IT guy from Surrogates. Oh gosh, and it's interesting that the he's the guy who is in a room full of you know robotic surrogates that are watching everyone else's feed and that's how he's helping shut down surrogates so they can stop crime from happening yet he's there in the flesh it makes for an interesting character dynamic there well i love the line where he was like i'm not going to let this genius go to waste and right <laughs> like they've been trying to turn me into a surrogate for you know so long yeah i, I thought that was funny yeah. and that's it the still thing. didn't end well for him no no, it, it, he didn't die. He was just like, you know, tied up and put aside and and had to, you know, help Bruce Willis stop the the, the virus from killing everybody. Because that's the thing. He like, didn't die in the end? No, he didn't die oh, in the end. okay. Were you walking the dog again? Hmm. <laughs> but that's the thing. It shows another character trait here where it's like you have the people who use surrogates. You have the people who are in the Dread community. And then you have characters... Like this guy, like Bobby, the IT guy, who's just lives his life. It's all good, but he's he's not angry at people for using surrogates. Like he is literally the human personification of meh as far as his attitude goes. And I think that also needed to be portrayed in this because it's not like it's a you either surrogate or you're or you're not right. There are always going to be people in the middle and Bobby's kind of like the avatar for the people who just like, eh, do what you want. He's just there. Right? Well, it's not he's just there. He's, you know, he does a, a, a big job kind of thing, but he's content 
with life as it is. And he's quite happy to let other people live the life the way the, the, way, uh, the way they want to live. Okay. But it has come time. So, Carrie, who is your MVP of 2009's Surrogates? Oh, I think this is obvious. You know I'm going to go with Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But the surrogate version. Okay. I mean, the thing is, the, the, the film really does kind of rest on him. Like, he, he drives the bus in this mm-hmm. film. Absolutely. There, there's no question about that. Um, but I'm going to toss the coin. and Because I, I had two in mind as far as my MVP. And Bruce Willis was one of them for sure. But for disagreeing sake, I'm going to go the other way. And I'm going to give my MVP to Rosamund Pike, who played the wife in this. Um, because I think there's... I mean, Bruce Willis is, is a great actor. Rosamund Pike is also a phenomenal actor. Um, but the thing is, there was something so heartbreaking about her performance. Well... Likewise, there was something so incredibly heartbreaking about that moment when the human version of Bruce Willis's character, mm-hmm. um, when he was really coming to terms with the fact that his wife was shutting him out, pushing him away. Yeah. And, you know, he he's he's a man that has lost his entire family at that point. Yeah. And you just feel so much for him it's just like he just you know despite his best efforts um he just can't get through he can't get through to the surrogate obviously um i mean i am so happy that it finally came full circle and he finally yeah and and reconnected that that end the yeah. end of that movie is just, I mean, not, not necessarily like them finally reconnecting kind of thing, but that moment in the end, and I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what happens kind of thing, but that moment in the end where you're like, oh my God, like this is, this, this is a great end to it. It's not a cliche end at all. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you this because I know of the two of us, I'm the big sci-fi geek. Like that, if you if you've been no, li- no, really? yeah. I was gonna say if you've been no. listening to this show long enough, you know full well that of the two of us, I am the geek. It's okay. I, I tend to like the more, you know, psychotic movies. <laughs> right, Reservoir Dogs, anything Tarantino. Yeah, if, if there's blood and swearing, you're on board kind of thing, <laughs> right? But not necessarily horror films, just like, you know, the, the more violent films, but not horror violent kind of thing. Repo, the genetic mm. opera. It's not a horror no, film. No, it's not. But It's yeah. a dystopian, futuristic rock musical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? True. Accurate. Throw, throw in the adjectives here. But Okay, I've, I've, felt, I've found it off this question for long enough. Okay. So as far as sci-fi movies go, for someone who is not necessarily a fan of the sci-fi genre even though you don't you don't shun away from it i think i've broken you enough but how does this movie work for you as a sci-fi film i tend to look at it differently and i think instead of looking at it as a sci-fi movie i was looking at the human angle of it again where i say like it was just so sad 
to see that scene where the human versions of these surrogates that are living daily life, when the humans are once again free to live their life, to walk amongst other people for the first time. They're out of their homes. They're out of their their rooms, their beds, that contraption that they have over their head. Um, and, and just that moment where they're, they're free was so, so, wow. It was, you know, it, it blew my mind to think like, how, how did they let it get to this? Whether it be a sci-fi movie or not, like, you know, as as much as you could joke and say, what a great idea. I'm just going to have, you know, uh, I'm going to clone myself and I'm going to have the clone go out and, and do the stuff for me. But it's like, y- you tend to lose a bit of yourself in that. And there's that human aspect that you're kind of almost missing out on your life. And that part kind of like, I thought it was a great movie because of that angle. Excellent. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you haven't disowned me for suggesting another sci-fi film. Cause I kind of like to geek out every now and, and it then. was well done. Too. It was well done. I mean, again, very much in line with like a Terminator type movie. Yeah. Um, or an iRobot. I, 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 feel like there are some similarities to iRobot and I mean let's be well, let's yes be honest no. well, yes and no I completely agree that that's dealing with more sentient robots whereas this is dealing with more um, extensions of yourself well that's where I was asking if the surrogate at any point would take over no it, it, that's more irobot it, exactly this is this is more just a you're driving the remote control car with your brain from your bed yeah i i still use one because there there are days when i just don't want to get out of bed because the bed is nice i i feel that but i wouldn't want to live that way oh god and no I, I think that's where this society kind of lost out yeah Cautionary tale. But were there not, there were humans in the police force as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like Bobby, the IT guy. Yeah. Like it wasn't that you were told that you had to use a surrogate. It's just that people found safety and comfort in being different versions of themselves. And that's the thing. Like you saw that with the surrogates. Like most of them looked like more idealized versions of of themselves or what or who they used to be kind of thing and it's not accepting of who you really are and you know that's that's it's almost like a drug at that point right it's like you can go out there and be the best version of yourself that that you have in your mind and do whatever you want and not suffer any consequences and not get hurt and not be in danger and it's an attractive idea, but how realistic is it? And how much of yourself do you lose in constantly controlling an avatar that's not really you, no matter how much you try to think that it's you? 
I can't believe we're pontificating. Yeah, the, the these discuss these deep discussions of life because we watched a 2009 sci-fi film with Bruce Willis. <laughs> Okay, Carrie, thank you so much for watching this film with me. And to you, our listeners, thank you for listening to this episode. Now, you guys know the drill. If there is a movie out there that you think is unfairly maligned or you think is just so bad that there's no way in heck that we can find anything good to say about it, hit us up on social media at NotThatBadCast or go to our website at NotThatBadCast.com. And while you're there, make sure you check out our Coming Soon page so you can see some of the movies that we are preparing to talk about in future episodes. Until next time, she's Carrie. I'm Jay. You guys are awesome. This is It's Not That Bad. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.